Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Ripstop on the Record. This is Kyle. And I'm Carter. I'm the one with the saw bathroom. And my bruises are still healing from my nighttime accident. Mm, that's not a good time. Now, if you didn't get those references, then please go back and listen to episode one. To those of you who did listen, thank you. We're excited to have you aboard our podcast party cruise. <laughs> For this episode, we asked you, the makers and DIYers, to send us your questions. We said anything goes, and let me tell you, you did not disappoint. Uh, before we kick this off, I just want to say that we are uh, consuming another beer beverage. Uh, today we've got the Low Pitch Juicy IPA from Highwire. And I must say it's, no, last, this is different. Yeah, last time we had New Belgium, juicy, delicious, something else. Yeah, uh, if I must confess, we, I did forget yet again to go to the bottle shop and actually get something really good. So it was either this or Four Loco. So you know, continual, we're going for continual improvement. So that'll just be one of the things that we continually improve yeah. upon. We'll mark it down for the, yeah. for the meeting. Some notes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so Q&A time. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, um, uh, after looking at some of the questions, I don't know what all is coming, but I know some, and it's uh, going to be a pretty exciting conversation. So happy days. Um, so to start out, Kyle, I'm going to give you this question. Um, oh, yo, uh, oh, stop, stop the press. Uh, I think it's time to crack the beer. Crack the beer. We forgot well, about the beer. Crack. Full disclosure, the only reason I didn't do that is because I cracked it about five minutes you ago. You nasty little <laughs> worm. I, I, <laughs> so I got to crack my beer. Jameson. Jameson is uh, overseeing our uh, podcast operations and party cruise management here. Um, so Jameson and I will now crack our beers. Okay, that's cracking a beer. All aboard. Rockies. All right, questions? All right, so this question comes to us from Jeffrey underscore M512. Love that guy. Hey, Jeffrey. Um, so, Kyle, what fabric advances on weight are next? Fabric advances on weight. Well, um, let's see. So we have the, and this is something that people already know about. We have the fully woven UHMWPE that is about to, to launch. So I guess we can drop the, the actual weight of that now. We know what it is. So it's 3.9 ounces, um, 100 denier, um, and it's TPU coated. So that's something that we've been asked for a lot um, because we want to be able to, to bond it and, and weld it and things like that. And it's not just something that you can sew. So really excited about that. Um, very abrasion resistant, cut resistant, backpacks, um, accessories, uh, under four ounces, kind of a, a blend between uh, 2.92 DCF and 5.0. So, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is something that we wanted to, we wanted to come up with something that would be the ideal pack fabric, basically, right? We're taking the tapeability and the waterproofness and the high strength from the Dyneema variants and uh, also some of the stuff that X-Pac brings in terms of abrasion resistance uh, and combining all that together 
uh, with a pretty cool coating. And well, people have been asking for a fully woven pack fabric for like years. Yes. Right. I mean, so, so that's just been something that's been hanging out there. Yeah. It's taken us a while to get everything figured out because believe it or not, it's, it can be a little bit difficult to make sure that everything works together. Uh, you can have a list of different qualities that you want a fabric to have on paper, but when you go to actually check off all those boxes, it sometimes isn't as simple as you think it will be. Yeah, exactly. So we're excited about that, and hopefully any day now that's coming. Uh, let's see, what else? We have the 0.67 ounce uh, Dyneema composite fabric that is a new variant that we're going to be stocking. So that's basically 0.51 with uh, extra mylar uh, layer. So it has, you know, increased abrasion resistance, a little more puncture resistance, um, good for things like uh, ground sheets and bathtub floors. Um, it's also because of the extra mylar layer is printable. So that's pretty cool. It's going to be the, the lightest DCF printable variant that, that we have. Um, I'm thinking. Um, got a 15 denier, um, full line of Membrane 15, ripstop nylon coming out. So a bunch of colors, um, a good uh, balance between um, the 10 denier, so membrane 10, and then going up to the 20 denier, 1.1 ounce. And then we're also playing around with some ideas for making a stronger version of the 1.0 ounce monolite. That's been a, a pretty cool fabric and um, yeah, so like a 30 or 40 denier version of that. That's something that's been asked for. And we aim to please. That's true. Mm -hmm. so yeah, I think that's a pretty good one now. Cool, yeah, I'm pretty excited to work with the, well, work more with the TPU fully woven UHMWPE. I think it's going to be pretty sweet. I'm excited to see what what people out there make with it. Yeah. See some stuff come off the off the production lines. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's like some way to, I don't know, like get a, a do a, a home solution for, for welding and, uh, and things like that. So for bonding and welding, I mean, I've seen those like the little irons and whatnot before. Yeah. I, I don't know if that. Well, you can buy those on Amazon. You can buy like welding irons that you could use. You just have to be a little careful, I think, with the UHMWPE fiber because it, the melting point is lower than a, a typical welded fabric would be so that's something that we're going to have to do i would like i agree i would like to have some instructions for people to do it themselves um, but it's also it would also be fully tapeable with the normal uh dcf tape yeah you can you can tape it so it just like uh like normal yes yeah, so you could still tape it and have it be waterproof and you don't have to worry about well waterproof enough uh but yeah that's something we should look into if you guys have any ideas or you are welding your fabrics already, hit us up. We want to see it and know about it. All right, I'm going to take the next one. Uh, let's see who we got coming to us. The Real J Youngs. The Real J Youngs. Shout out Real J Youngs. Oh yeah, that's, a, that's nice there. Okay. The real one. So, here we go. Can you talk about the differences of sil poly and sil nylon or tarps and shelters? Sure. I can do that. Um, so the super rudimentary basics are that one of them is siliconized polyester and one of them is siliconized nylon, hence the name sil poly, sil nylon. Um, 
within that, you're basically comparing the differences in polyester and nylon fabrics. Um, the silicone itself is going to be the same on both because the coatings are something that we've honed in to for quite some time. Um, so in general, uh, nylon tends to be stronger uh, just overall, uh, whether that's in tear strength or abrasion resistance. Um, yeah, for our 1.1 ounce, I've seen that uh, the tear strength is um, on the order of twice 2x. So silk nylon compared to silk poly. That's for, yeah, I already said that for the 1.1 ounce. Yep. So uh, obviously, I mean, there's a ton of silk poly shelter and tarps out there. So that tear strength in that application doesn't really matter. Um, We're talking about hammock tarps specifically, right? And not, not just or hammock Or any tarp, like silk poly, like silk poly tents, totally cool and fine. That's what I would use um, because two of, two of the main things that silk poly gives you are that it's inherently more UV resistant and it's also uh, less prone to water absorption because polyester is hydrophobic. Um, so you tend to have less water absorption and sag. So I don't know if anybody out there has ever set up their sil nylon tarp or tent and you wake up in the middle of the night or the next morning and uh, your damn tarp is all saggy and you can't figure out why it's because it's stretched out as it has absorbed water. Um, they both stretch. I think that's also something that I see as a common misconception is people say, uh, I like silk poly because it doesn't stretch, but it does. It's just not as much. So it's not, there is still stretch there. I think the, maybe the more accurate statement is that it doesn't stretch when wet. It has as much bias stretch in the fabric when you cut it off the roll, um, but all things being equal. Um, but the biggest difference is that it doesn't stretch as much when, when wet. Yeah, and there are some differences in the stretch from a, like, from a fiber perspective as well. But like if you take a breathable polyester fabric and make a hammock out of it, it will be more stiff than a nylon sure. version. Yeah. But it's not... Yeah, like that's what most people mean. I, I feel like when they're talking about, say, a hammock tarp, like, oh, it, it doesn't stretch. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it, it does, but I think what they mean is that it's not going to sag. Yes. It's just important to understand that, like, for instance, a lot of people will say that you don't want to use a catenary cut on a silk poly tarp, or you don't have to because it doesn't stretch. But in, in reality, I find that a catenary cut in, still performs what it's supposed to do, which is takes out that sagging material in the middle. Yeah that's a result of bias stretch, not because of any hydrophilic or hydrophobic yarn. Yep. Um, but yeah, those are the main differences. Other than that, they're, they're pretty similar. I, my preference is towards sil poly for pretty much every application. I don't, it, maybe whenever you're getting into needing something like super hardcore for some sort of mountaineering trekking, you might look into camping on like the a side of a six, six. Yeah. But even then sil poly is just, uh, with the right coating is super solid. The coating makes up a lot of what makes those fabrics tear resistant and abrasion resistant, not necessarily the base, the base yarn. Yeah. A lot of times the, the best, um, I want to say best, like the, the highest tear strength fabric um, will result from taking a, a base fabric that isn't as tightly woven um, and just putting a really, really good coating on it. For sure, for sure. Nerd alert. <laughs> so, Kyle, while we're on the on the topic of new things coming down the line, uh, any new Dyneema or X-Pack 
stuff. And this is from, from our boy Matt at Red Paw Packs. What up? What's up, Matt? We love you. Um, but yeah, so what's new in Dyneema land and, and Dimension Polyant land? So I think that there are going to be a lot of uh, new things here um, as far as specifics that I could share or not just because we're like trying to keep it under wraps or anything, but these are things that are still in development. But in general, I would say things like pocket mesh. I think that that would be a, a nice one um, to, to get something that's very cut resistant um, and abrasion resistant as opposed to the standard nylon and polyester offerings that, that are out there. So by, when, when I say pocket mesh, I also mean it's applicable to uh, backpacks and uh, any sort of a breathable pouch or uh, thing that, that you need to make. Uh, definitely more wovens. So um, some things are changing with the way that Dyneema's model um, is, is working um, and moving to more of a, a fiber-based model as opposed to selling the fabric um, itself. Um, so what that means is that we're going to have more latitude, uh, more freedom to uh, blend, do blends of Dyneema and uh, other things like nylon and polyester or other fibers um, instead of just uh, the standard DCF variant. So a lot of different things that uh, I think will be coming online in, in 2021 or at least we'll have the possibility uh, to do. I would also say that different face fabrics for X-Pack is something that I like to look into. Um, so not just your, you know, the standard X-Pack typically has just a, a plain nylon or, or polyester face. You really don't hear too much about it. It's just like 50 denier polyester um, or um, 150 denier nylon. Um, but of course there are different types of, of woven uh, fabrics that you can put on, on the face. Um, that would give, uh, bring new features and attributes to different variants of expat. So. Um, I'm going to read this question and answer part and give Kyle the other part. So do you guys have more products where both sides are silicone? I found most of them are PU and polyurethane and silicone. What is the best lightweight both sided silicone fabric for tents? This comes to us from E Explorer. I think that's uh, how they would like me to pronounce that. That's exactly correct, I think. Yeah. 100%. I was hooked on phonics for a while, so. All right. Um, both sides are silicon fiber. Okay, so I think that what the way that I'm reading this is that maybe he's saying um, by PU silicone, maybe what he means is that we list it as a PU silicone blend. Um, and maybe he thinks that that is like drastically different from 100% silicone. But what I would say to that is that it's, it's actually not all that different. Um, in my opinion, um, when we say PU slash silicone, it's really, first of all, silicone slash PU um, in order of the relative percentages. Yeah, the makeup is, is heavily skewed towards 95.5 or 97. It can still be sealed with a silicone based seam sealer, yeah, not a PU I, I don't know where the exact, would have to have more information on uh, what exactly he's looking for, but it turns out that if you add a little bit of PU into the silicone, um, sometimes it can actually increase the, the tear strength. So you don't want to add, you add too much, it's kind of a happy medium thing, you add too much, it, it reduces the tear strength. But um, that's one of the reasons that, that we do it. 
Yeah, so to answer your question, uh, although technically it's listed as a SIL PU coating for the SIL poly um, and SIL nylon and any of those SILs, uh, that's what we would consider uh, silicone coated. Um, so you would use a silicone, a, a, a sealant that is for silicone coated things. Um, and then in terms of what is the best lightweight uh, silicone fabric for tents, I tend to err on the side of saying that calling anything the best is a little bit foolish because that completely depends on what your goals are for your project and what the application of your tent will be. Um, everything is on a spectrum, right? So a uh, 1.1 ounce sil poly tent uh, tends to fall into that happy medium. You could go lighter with membrane sill and some people might be happy with that. Some people, because they're looking for the lowest weight um, and they're willing to take uh, a chance on having something that's not as abrasion resistant and puncture resistant. And some people might be in the opposite side of the spectrum and they want something that they can drag on the back of an ATV and they might want uh, 1.6 sil poly. I don't recommend that by the way, that's hyperbole. Don't do that, please. And if you do do that, we won't, we're not going to do anything. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's on a spectrum. So I think it really depends on what your goals are for your tent, right? Are you looking for something that's kind of a, a jack of all trades tent? Are you looking for the most lightweight? Are you looking for the strongest? Um, a good thing to do when you start a project, like, like making a tent is to list out the characteristics that you want the tent to have and choose your fabric um, based on those characteristics. Um, and that'll help you a lot. But yeah, that's... I mean, I think you have a range there from 70 denier down to, well, a, a real usable range, I would say 20. I mean, of course you can go lighter, but uh, I, for me personally, I, I don't think that I would go lighter than, than 20, but I mean, you can certainly do so. And, you know, we carry a, a lighter weight and ultralight um, sill coated material um and there are plenty of people out there that have used it with with good results but yeah like to your point it's all in what you want to get out of it uh, are you willing to treat the the tent with the care that's going to be required um to, to make sure that it has a usable lifespan um and then also are you cognizant of like what could happen i mean do you have backup plans for um any problems that, that could come up but you have a you know between 70 70 d for like military like army we're going to drag it behind the atv type thing um and down to 20 d 30 denier for years and years and years like decades was the uh kind of the standard um and still is for for some companies but yeah oh one other note i was going to make um is that oh yeah got it now a reason for adding a little bit of PU in, another reason um, is that it reduces the, the bias stretch. So it makes it easier to sew um, and it will also make it less stretchy uh, when wet and things like that. So co compared to 100% silicone, it's just when you com start comparing them, it's just easier to get a stiffer. Um, and people who have handled a lot of different sil nylons and, and sil polys will understand, I think, what I'm talking about here. There's a difference. There's some uh, sil nylon is really stretchy and uh, other sil nylon is, is kind of stiff and, and has um, some body to it. That PU some stabilization. helps with, with the body. So, Hunter Strip wants to know, printed monolite soon? Hunter, Hunter, Hunter. Yes, it, um, so that is done actually and just needs to be onboarded. So it's, 
everything, I believe, right? Everything is done and it just needs to be put on the website. I think we've had the idea to print Monolite for some time. Yeah. So everything's in the building. Everything has been and maybe Hunter's trip is, uh, is just giving us a little kick in the pants here. Thanks, Hunter. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. You're the man. Um, but yeah, so everything is done to repeat myself. Um, I would also say that just to give a little tidbit of um, what it's going to look like, I will say that the definition and the color vibrancy on the modern light is actually really nice. I was kind of thinking that it might be a little more sheer like the, the noceums and the other mesh that we print on. Well, not all the other mesh, specifically the, the noceum. Uh, but it's really not. It's, it's pretty... Um, and the opacity is uh, opacity 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 is how i would say it but i'm not a scholar in any either way. one um you can see the color how about that or the design all right so we got a question from arthur burb or b-e-r-b any recommended sewing machines for newbies or general good go-to resources for learning yeah, I can definitely help you out with, with some of that learning, Arthur. I think, um, A, any, any recommended uh, sewing machine for newbies, whatever you can find. If you can, I don't, in most aspects of gear and pretty much just purchasing things in my normal life, I tend to want to buy, do my research up front and buy like the top of the line thing so that I don't waste my time buying if probably most of you listening to this, I've already done that. So you already know that it sucks whenever you buy a budget tarp or something like that and you use it and it works. I'm not knocking that for some people. That's all they want, but you get that. And then you're like, Oh, I really should have bought the, Eno, whatever the, Eno tarp is. I, sh I should have bought that. And then you buy that at Dick's and then you're like, Oh, this is great. But I really should have gotten the UGQ winter dream like it's got the doors on it and then you buy that and now you've spent you could have just bought if you would have researched you would have just bought the ugq winter dream and not bought the 200 eno tarp and the other tarp from dick sporting goods that's now just sitting in your garage and your significant other is upset at you for having all this stuff in your house quote unquote gear closet yeah i mean i do have a, a gear room in my house. oh room oh god that's bigger than closet i don't know if you knew but uh yeah at least we make it work, okay. Um, it's called a three-bedroom, boss. Yeah, <laughs> but, but um, yeah. So in general, that's that's my philosophy. But in this case, I think it's really the opposite. Um, part of making your own gear is, is just starting out with what you have and jumping in. And if you're someone in your family has a used sewing machine that still works, um, just start ask them how to use it or go on YouTube. That's an easy place to figure out everything. If you want to know how to replace your engine in your car, YouTube, um, raise a child, YouTube, surgery. Uh, okay. Probably not that one, but, but yeah, just, just ask whoever has one in your family. See if your grandparents have one sitting in their basement and start sewing on it, figure out what you need to figure out and go from there. My brother had two and I just took one. Yeah. I mean, in general, you don't, so I, for most of our fabrics, they're considered actually in the, in the spectrum of textiles. They're all pretty lightweight, except for like two or three. So if you're out, if you're going to purchase something, um, don't purchase something that's like 
marketed as being, well, you don't need to purchase something that's marketed as super heavy duty leather sewing machine. That'll work too, but you're perfectly fine just picking up uh, a singer or, but. Yeah, what's that one that you have? I mean, I see uh, a lot, uh, well, the one that I bought from you, I guess. Yeah, so a common one that I recommend to people if they want to buy something new is the Singer uh, Heavy Duty. It's called Heavy Duty, but it's it's not. Uh, the 44 series, so the 4423, the 4412, I think it's the 4412. That's just how many other stitch patterns they have. You don't need that. You need a straight stitch for about 99%, and then once you get into some of the stretch fabrics, if you fall into the abyss, uh, you will need a zigzag. So you need a straight stitch and maybe a zigzag. That's it. You don't need 74 different options to twist the dial to do a decorative stitch. You might, maybe you're going to make a, a, I don't know, a doily later on and you need to do... Don't knock on the doilies now. Things is they protect I, if I offended the any doily maker out there. the do. That's a doily. But uh, yeah, that, that's all you need. So uh, what I recommend doing really is going to Grandparents' house, Craigslist, uh, thrift store, and try to find a, a machine that has metal gearing inside. Uh, I, I went down a path of learning how to take apart and refurbish and work on vintage sewing machines, which was really fun. Um, but that's my personality is to take whatever I'm doing and become obsessed with it. Um, but it's they're really easy to service and they'll last forever. I, I have machines that are from the 50s that work way better than the ones that you could buy on Amazon. But anything will, anything will work. And that gray one that you mentioned, the Singer... 4423. 4423. Yep, I was right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, that's about 150 new? Probably less than that. I don't... It depends. Amazon switches all the time. Just monitor it for like two weeks and... But it's not expensive. Um, but you could seriously start with anything and it'll be fine. Um, as far as any other resources for learning, um, definitely YouTube, Google, and then also any of the forums or like Backpacking Light, uh, in any forum or the Reddit MYOG, all of those are awesome resources for asking any questions that you have about whether it's machines or working with any of the fabrics that we sell. You're welcome to reach out to us, but there's a ton of, there's way more knowledge than I have on those sites combined. So that'd be my recommendation is to go there and see what you find. So we have a, a bit of a, to take a break from all the technical talk. Um, Crystal Jennifer wants to know from you, Kyle, mm -hmm. what is the best life and work advice you've ever gotten? What is the best life and work advice you've ever gotten? Um, I would say two things. And I think that they are applicable to both work and life. Uh, to be honest, that kind of like those two kind of blend together uh, at, at times. But one would be to set clear expectations. So tell people what you are expecting and what you're thinking in your head because they can't read your mind. Um, and then, uh, you know, people are a lot more sympathetic when um, things go maybe not um, according to, to plan when you've given them a heads up and you have um, kept them updated as to uh, what to expect, right? It's the surprise um, that often gets you into, into trouble. Uh, second thing is actually from my grandpa, and uh, I don't know if he got this from somewhere else, but uh, 
it's a hashtag for sure. And that's uh, the whole world is a critic, uh, AKA haters gonna hate, you know, you gotta, you gotta just shake that off. Right. Um, but uh, yeah. And so basically what that means is that um, it's really easy to come up with uh, critiques and criticisms. Um, and it's a lot harder to come up with solutions. So um, just to expound on what that actually means uh, from my point of view is that you can't put too much weight on um, that, you know, any naysayer or somebody who is criticizing you. It's not to say that they're not right um, and, and you are, um, it's just to keep it into, in, in context um, and, and not let some one person's uh, critical comment or nature or um, anything like that um, detract from you know, if you have a goal or whatever it is that you're moving towards or what you want to do. I think the uh, two things I'll, I'll answer this as well. Um, the best life advice I've ever gotten is Carter, keep your shirt on. This is a funeral. Uh, that was from my my grandma, and I really took that to heart, and it's helped me drastically throughout the year. So if that's, if I, if I had to pick something like I, I would, I would say that that has impacted me more than, than anything else. As far as work advice goes. Um, yeah, I don't, no one's really given me good work advice. I think, uh, I'm still looking for that. So if you guys have something out there that could maybe help me be more productive, play like a champion every day. Yeah. Um, if you ain't first, you're last, I guess. Take no prisoners. Um, yeah. Uh, got it. We got it. It's somewhere where you can drop a comment. I don't really know how that works in this scape, but like on Instagram for when we release this, give me some, uh, give me some work advice, guys. Let me know like what really get me, get me in the zone to be productive and, and then we'll check back in next time and I'll, I'll let you know how that advice worked. I'll try to apply as much as, as I want. There you go. Couldn't ask for more. All right. I think I'm up. Is it positive? I think this is a pretty quick one. Is it possible to seam tape Rovic 420D? This is from Larzonian. Uh, yes, it is possible. So you can actually use the, the tape that we sell, the PSA pressure sensitive adhesive tape that we use uh, to seam seal Dyneema. That will work on PU-coated materials. Uh, there are a few companies out there that do that, like ZPAX um, uses a similar PSA. And on their Arc Hall line, which uses uh, a woven PU-coated fabric. And it works okay. It's not the same adhesion that you would normally get with DCF, but... Yeah, I mean, you're not going to have the same peel strength. Yeah, but it works. You can do it. Um, just make sure that you use um, some rubbing alcohol to get any dirt off and press it down really good and let it cure at room temperature for 24 hours. There you go. That was a quick one, so I'll give you one more. So let's go with the comment from a question from Austin Slate Adventures. So benefits of cinch top versus roll top. Um, is talking about dry bags, airbags. I assumed that he meant for backpacks. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm going to answer it at, in that regard because I think for stuff sack, it's pretty obvious. Cinch top is going to be something that is 
typically used for something for, in stuff sack version would just be something that's not going to be resistant to water at all, basically. Um, and that you need to get in and out of quickly. Uh, roll top is typically seen to keep water out um, for stuff sacks. But for backpacks, I think it's a little more simple. Um, typically, even cinch top backpacks have some sort of feature where once you cinch it up, you still roll it down and then cinch it with something else. So you're never actually, you don't have the opening of the bag out. I actually think it comes down to mostly preference and the material that you use. So typically you wouldn't put a cinch top on a stiffer fabric like you wouldn't or uh, non-woven, I should say. Um, X-Pack and DCF, you're not, you're not going to use a cinch top because you're not, it's too stiff. You're not gonna be able to pull the cord through. So you're going to try to cinch that up and it's not going to move. Like it's not, you're not going to be able to pull the cord through easily. So you're going to use a roll top there. Um, but in general, the function I think is the same. It's just different ways that you're cinching up the bag and then closing it. Um, I, I, I think it's, some of that is dependent on your hiking style. If you're somebody that's going to get into your pack a lot, a cinch top might be better. So you can just flip it open and you're on the go and you need to pull something out. Um, I really think it's personal preference. In general, I think whenever you make a, uh, a bag, people think that having the, the roll top, uh, we're, we're specifically talking about the one that has the buckle on the ends that you clip, that you roll and then clip together. Yeah. But you're going to roll either one. Mm -hmm. And then there's like an over a top strap that normally connects on, whether it's with a G hook, yeah. shout, out, shout out loop alien, or a buckle and cinch it down. It's going to be the same. Yeah. So mine, I Gregory, is a cinch top, but then it has like a, a hood, right? A uh, brain. Over the top. Yeah. So it's always, it, it's always going to be covered. You're never just going to have like a, a gaping hole at the top of your bag. That's never good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You could have seen Kyle's face when I just said gaping hole. Oh, that is not. Mm -mm. No, that's not, that's not a good time. I didn't even mean to say that, but it just came out that way. That's it's, it's good. It's glorious, actually. All right. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, what programs do you use to make slash cut the pattern pieces for the DIY kits? Do you have Electra Cutter? I don't know if you know what Electra Cutter is, but... I don't. It's, uh, it's similar. It's, I think it's just a, it's a motorized cutter similar to a laser cutter, but it just has a cutting head on the end. That's it. Gotcha. It's just a brand. I'm pretty sure it's just a brand of uh, CNC cutter. Okay. Basically. So, I mean, a couple different things. Um, I would just say in general, what I mean, the way that we cut pattern pieces uh, for the, for the pre-cut DIY kits is mostly with our custom built wide format laser. So that's a, a laser that we built specifically for cutting our types of fabrics and then also large panels. So for things like hammock tarps and whatnot, and it's, it's four yards long. So it's, it's 12 foot long and then it can cut up to 70 inches in width. That's how we cut most of the stuff in the DIY kits. Um, we also have two other cutters that I don't think a lot of you will know about because we haven't told them, um, but those are going to be doing some other really cool stuff for the, the next year. Yeah. Short answer is laser cut. I was told to shorten the answer, so uh, maybe we should have just said laser cutter. Laser. When will custom printing be back? 
And that comes from Ye Old Bag Lady. That name has to take the cake as uh, 100 level. Ye Old Bag Lady, let me tell you something. She's coming back, and she's coming back with a vengeance, okay? One. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's coming back. Yeah, it's, it's, it is coming back, and it's been a little bit since, uh, since the custom printing has been there, and we've all missed it. I've missed it. Um, some have missed it more than others, um, but I can guarantee you that uh, we've prepared for everything and that we, we will be bringing this back. Um, so uh, I would say as far as a timeline, um, what do you think? Uh, I mean, so full transparency, basically what we're waiting on right now to bring back custom upload is that we're trying to finalize uh, the way that it works and the way that you're able to get your designs to us. And in order to do that in a way that we are proud of and comfortable with, um, we're, we're taking our time and making sure that we work out all the bugs so that it doesn't end up taking us even longer to release something before it's ready. Well, the problem is the software, right? So it's just really difficult to um, create an intuitive tool that is uh, on the website um, and that doesn't create more problems than, than it solves. And we've taken a lot of time to, <laughs> yeah, we actually have taken a lot of time, um, literally, to work those sorts of things out and try to put more thought into the tool um, and that has resulted in part in it taking longer for us to get it back. But I guarantee you when, it, when we do get it back, um, it will be the best tool that um, and the most intuitive and easiest to use um, and bring the most value to, to everyone um, that it can possibly be and bring. So, so I think we're going to give a political non-answer here and say that we'll keep you updated. Um, I mean, I think that... Uh, I don't want to overpromise. that's all. Sure. Um, but it's something that we are fast-tracking. Um, and we are changing some things around to make sure that we have uh, full focus on getting it back as soon as possible because I know a ton of people are wanting to get stuff printed. Yeah, so this is listed on the website now, right at the top. So um, we, can, we can talk about the time that we're carving out each Friday over the next five to six weeks uh, to work on company organization and development um, with regard to the custom printing uh, development that falls under the development umbrella. And so basically what's going to happen is that on Fridays, fulfillment will shut down and we'll have time to more time to work out things like the custom printing and new products and all sorts of cool stuff. So um, let's, this is a big one. So I'm going to go ahead and just hit this one while I'm here. Um, why are there so few retailers for DCF and why has there been such a shortage lately? And that comes from, I'm going to assume that this is Hanson TT. Sure, I can take that one. Um, so, I mean, I would say that one reason that there are so few retailers is that it just costs a, what's the technical term? Shit ton of money to um, buy all of this fabric and to stock it. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. For one single variant, 2.9, that's very popular, 2.92 ounce Dyneema composite fabric hybrid in black. Uh, last time I checked, which was about 30 minutes ago, I think we have about 2,500 yards of that in stock. Now, if you do the math on the per yard price and a stock quantity of 2,500 yards, that's about $100,000 in inventory in just one variant, right? So 
when you start extrapolating that out to, okay, well, um, you know, let's have five colors in this fabric and then let's have 17 other fabric variants, right? Um, don't have to be a rocket scientist and have your TI-83 or 89 handy to understand that that number in terms of cost, it, it gets very high very quickly. So I think that that's one of the reasons. Um, and then the second is that it's a, it's a very niche material, I think. You know, it's just like you have to have, I don't think it's a, the type of thing where you can just pick it up and start selling it. You have to also accompany the, the retailing of the fabric with knowledge on how to use it. And that's one of the things that we talked about in the first episode, right? That sets what we're doing at Ripstop by the Roll uh, apart from, from other uh, fabric retailers is that we are um, makers and DIYers and business owners ourselves. Um, and if we're bringing not just the, um, not just the fabric, but the, the knowledge and, uh, and, and whatnot on how to use it to the table and to the people that want to, to buy the fabrics and the materials. So I would say those are, are a couple reasons why it, uh, there are so few retailers of, of DCF. As to the shortage, I think, I actually think that this has gotten a lot better. Um, this comment I think would be more applicable to early 2020. Um, and I'm not saying that it has been completely solved, but, and we're still working on it. Um, but I, I do think that it's gotten a, a lot better and it's going to get a lot even better as we go into 2021. Um, and even just the next month or two months, um, because we are continuing to invest heavily into bringing, um, a wider selection, both the wider selection and greater stock levels so that uh, you don't see that, that shortage when you come to the website. Perfect. Um, was yeah, that perfect? Yeah, so that, did I do a good job? Yeah, I think that uh, I would rate you a 7.8 out of 13, which is above 50%. Um, so this, uh, this question comes from C underscore Grove 048. Um, he wants to know, well, it's actually not a question. It's a statement. It says, uh, your website blows. Oh, shut it down. Pack it up. We're leaving. Gotta go. Yeah, I think we'll just have to... Uh, we should actually just close the business down and fire everyone. Oh, uh, hang, hang a sign on the door? Yeah, we're... <laughs> okay, okay. Let's, let's bring it back. Let's bring it. So, um, we're just having a little fun. Um, what I would say is that we want to not just focus on the, the rosy stuff, but also take any and, and all feedback. So, that is it's obviously going to include some negative stuff, and we fully accept that, right? Um, so, this is not a... Um, something that's coming from out of left field, right? Like we, we've, we're a growing company and we focus on a lot of different things, uh, new products and, uh, you know, we just bought a building and those are not meant to be excuses, but uh, rather an explanation of, you know, it is, how do I sum this up without going on and on? It's just really fucking hard to run a business, man. And um, especially one where you're not, you don't have anybody like spoon feeding you the rules and like exactly what you should do. We're figuring a lot of this stuff out on a day-to-day -day basis on our own. I don't have anybody in my family. Um, we don't have anybody employed here that has a business degree. You know, we're having to figure this stuff out and write the rule book as we go day by day. So that's not meant to be um, uh, defensive, but just more of, again, an, an explanation of like why certain things uh, may come off as uh, may, may be sub, sub optimal. 
Um, but what I can do is, is promise you that we are working on, on these things, specifically the website. Uh, we did a survey, right, um, to all the customers um, a few months back. And that was, it's not like uh, Seagrove 48 is the, uh, the only uh, customer um, that has expressed uh, and a desire for the website to be better. And um, what I can say is that we've taken note of that and we love to get that feedback and we are taking action on it. So you should see some things changing on the website in both the near term and um, so some smaller things in the near term and then also some larger things as we go through the next say two to three months. Yeah, so I think what Kyle means is that in, in some ways you're right, there are parts of the website that, that may blow, but uh, GR47 says your website is the best website on the planet. <laughs> okay, I mean. <laughs> so intuitive and easy to use, I wouldn't change a thing. Your general manager is very knowledgeable and looks extremely strong. You should give him a raise. Yeah, deserves raise. Thank you. Large in size. Um, is custom image printing on XPack possible? Actually, I'll just go ahead and answer that one. Yes. Uh, yep. I think this just kind of folds into the question about custom upload. So it will be. Um, we already print on XPack, and as soon as custom printing is available, we will. You'll be able to do custom printing on XPack as well. And that's from Waterfall dot hunter all right so what size needle do you recommend for x-pack v15 could you dive into needle selection for certain types of material you sell and why can sin can see nc and oh that's those are actually two questions so the first one is from can see nc and the second one is from cp tossum cp tossum sounds oh. awesome <laughs> oh Captain Awesome. Oh, I'm. One of our producers and directors has let us know that we are both really dumb and that it's Captain Awesome, not CP Tossum. When I first moved into my dorm in freshman year at NC State, my roommate had a poster um, that said NOFX. And I'm like, what's NOSC? <laughs> it's German for get the fuck out of my room. No effects, brah. I'm like, oh, sorry. So you can see. I'll shut up now. I'm genuinely judging you. That's a true story. <laughs> um, so what needle size? So this is, a, this is another one of those really common questions that we see quite a bit. Maybe something that we can, I don't know if we already have it. Um, if so, we need to do a better job of getting it out there. But uh, something that we could do a, a, an ebook or an article on. Uh, needle selection for certain types of material. Um, so in general, uh, you have, I'll try to make this concise. Uh, your needle selection is important um, whenever you're using, it, it's actually pretty intuitive, right? So when you're using a lighter weight, thinner fabric, you want to use a smaller needle. So sure. um, when you're, you, wow, puberty is great. Um, when you're using or sewing on a, 0.66 ounce material that's super gossamer and lightweight. Uh, you want to use like a size eight or nine needle, something that's pretty small. Uh, I prefer to use Microtex or Sharp needles for any any time I'm working with 
any of these fabrics. And yeah, I think from there you just go upward, right? And so for the most part, you could use a size 12 needle. I think that's pretty standard for most stuff. A size 12 Microtex uh, sharp needle or a universal, which is what we sell, still fine. Um, is that yeah. 8014, 9014? 90, uh, uh, it's 8012-9014. Gotcha. Um, so 12. Uh, you could use a size 14 as well, but that's that's getting a little big. I think 12 is a, is a good size. And to answer the question about X-Pack V15, I would use a size 12 needle. Um, the needle is also related to your thread size. So don't you need to match those up so if you're using a smaller needle you also need to use a smaller thread so if you're sewing um like using the size eight or nine needle you also need to accompany that with a smaller thread like guterman mara 100 um or guterman sew all i think those are the same thing and when you move up in thread size then you can use a a bigger thread um those are also some things that we're going to carry very soon so if you tuned out to everything I just said, we'll make it easy for you to go on and uh, make sure that you're getting the right needle, the most suitable needle for your project. But hopefully that helps. Cool, very good. So we're going to go for one more question and then we have uh, uh, some questions for each other that I think you'll enjoy. Um, so Jake Rosen asks, why aren't there more color options for Robic 100? 210 and 420. Why is that, Kyle? Uh, I don't think there's really a, a reason other than we just haven't added more colors. <laughs> I like the most boring answer ever. Yeah. I mean, there is sort of an art to it, right? We are looking at, for a while, we carried a ton of colors, which is cool, and we like to be able to do that. Um, but there's also a point in which we would rather be able to stock more of the colors that 95% of people want so that we can keep them in stock and everybody, most people are happy. Uh, we want to please everyone, but I don't think that's possible. Um, so there is sort of an art to looking at what most people are asking for and what most people are buying and trying to stick with those colors and maybe throw in some cool ones uh, whenever we can versus trying to carry 75 different colors of every fabric and not being able to stock enough um, because and then you have more money to create things like 3.9 ounce venom TPU fully woven. Exactly. There you go. And then, and then you know it's uh, the the landscape has changed a little bit with the the advent of Omnicolor printing um, and especially now that we've brought back the 600D and 1000D airwave. So those are pack fabrics um, that you can use and you can select your color and um, print them on demand. Might cost you a little bit more money so it's at a higher price point but overall you still have color options there if you really really want it yeah for sure um so because we haven't yet but we might yeah let us know what colors you want and we'll go from there uh so before we continue to our to our ending segment i do want to give a special shout out to to my guy michael crane he actually posed a pretty awesome question that we've decided is more suitable for like an entire podcast or at least part of one. Um, so thanks, Michael. I'll just, I'll tease it a little bit. And, and then that's something that you can look forward to in, in a later episode. Um, basically he's wanting to hear a conversation about fabric choice uh, when working on different projects. So for instance, why would you pick uh, hyper D 
versus regular ripstop nylon when making a hammock or what would be my our main choice for making a rain jacket or if we had to make a tent what material would we use and why um, so i think that's something that we probably differ on in a lot of ways so it would be fun to to kind of go back and forth and see how we differ in our mindsets for what we would use for our gear and then also the real-time pros and cons yeah so i just think that's a really good question but we don't want to not to say the other ones weren't good uh, but we don't want to cut it short by not exploring all the options there so that's something that uh you'll hear more of coming up so thank you michael crane you're a gentleman and a scholar and i respect you and yeah, so let's transition into our ending segment, which is going to be something that's pretty fun. I don't know who came up with this, but I've, I've been, I thought it was going to be easy. And then I tried to plan for it for the past little while. And I found that I was surveying people in the shop, trying to figure out what I should do. So what we're going to do here is we have three questions. Yeah, we have three questions for each other. So I'm going to ask Kyle three questions and he's going to ask me three questions. It doesn't have to be related to anything or it could be related to everything um, but these are secrets so i have no clue what he's going to ask me and so i hope that i don't incriminate myself for the things i've done or anything like that so we'll see um so i'll i'll start kyle and let me pull up my notes uh so this this will be a good icebreaker so what is one article of clothing that someone could wear on a first day and you would immediately walk out and leave so to make that more clear if you went on a date with somebody that you met, whatever, and you showed up at the restaurant and you saw an article of clothing that you were wearing that you would just be like, hell no, absolutely not. This person is not compatible with me. I'm Corduroy pants. <laughs> that was very quick. That was very fast. What's your aversion to... It's just, you just, that's not your cords, uh, the little gaps between them. They're a little fuzzy and, um, yeah, personal preference. That's fair. You can't see his face, but he was very serious and did not waver. Or a pink flamingo hat. I don't know. Um, okay. Um, Carter, do you sing in the shower? Um, so this Yes, but probably not as much as you would think because uh, any of you that know me out there, which none of you do, but if you did, you would know that I sing a lot. Mm -hmm. Like all, at the shop, I sing. People are probably wishing I would shut the fuck up for most of the day, but they can't say anything because I'm the boss in a lot of ways. So that part's fun. But I sing all day as like a habit, I guess. A songbird of a generation. Yes, yes. A mixture, I would say, between Fergie and Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, okay, yeah. Well, however you want. But I don't actually yeah. sing that much in the shower, which is weird because I think most people do. But I do on occasion. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that uh, – I think we're a little bit similar in that regard in that I'm, I do sing, like, a lot and have a little a tune kind of going in my head at all times. Um, I don't know that I sing that much in the shower. But um, – and I also I don't know that I'm supposed outlet. to be answering this question as I, well. I was but curious. I just I went for it, you know? Well, I think, like, singing in the shower is most people's outlet because most people don't sing out loud in front of people because that's generally not professional and not accepted by society. And I probably should stop doing it, yeah. but, but no, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not going to, but 
yeah, I think people sing in the shower because that's it's a private time. No one's in there except for if they are, in which case, if you don't know them, please call. Please stop listening to this and call the police right now. Hit me. Uh, this one's not that funny, but I'm actually really interested in the answer. Um, if you were a WWE wrestler, what would be your walkout song? Hmm. We will judge you for this, so make sure that you think about it. And walkout song. I'm thinking about like what's that song by Prince, where it's like, "Don't have to be rich to be my girl. Don't have to be cool And you know what I'm saying? That one. Kiss by Prince. Yeah. Kiss. That one. I think that would be me. I'd go for it. I'm going to need a Advil PM. But so that has to on. be accompanied with the, the dance. So you got to have like your choreography going on there. So, Yeah, I think we should turn this into a video podcast so that everyone can see what. Actually, I'm, I'm actually at a loss for words right now. We'll do that. That's, a, that's another, another that'll time. Be, that'll be the, the behind the scenes extra. If you support us on Patreon, we'll do a – Kyle will have an OnlyFans. Rips up by the role OnlyFans of uh, – yeah. Of him doing the behind-the-scenes uh, Prince dance moves. <laughs> All right, what you got for me? All right. So, uh, do you have a hidden talent? Um, I don't – maybe you would consider – I mean, so there are a few things that I do that a lot of people don't do, but I, it would be a little bit conceited to call it a talent, I think, because I'm not that good at it. But I definitely like beatboxing. Like, okay. you know, people maybe that – you mean like, like – or you do like the – yeah, like with your mouth. Okay. Like you can, you're, we also have similar have you seen these two guys that like do it on uh, like the big dogs or whatever, big dolls, I think it is. Big dolls TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, like he's like Ernie. His name's like, I think he called himself Ernie and he's like walks around with this other guy and they do like. Yeah, that's a YouTuber. He also does like, uh, he dressed up as Clay Thompson one yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that guy. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know if that's a talent, but it's something that sometimes I'll find myself like beatboxing and someone's like, wow, that's really cool. And I'm like, Okay, um, but another one maybe would be um, I also like to freestyle, which I don't do in front of people normally. But if I'm in the car, or maybe if I've had a lot of beers or something, and I'm with a certain group of people, I might freestyle. I haven't heard I haven't heard any freestyle from you. It would have to be like in a certain environment. Um, but I don't do. I'm actually ashamed of that talent in a, a little bit because you know most people say. The reason I don't say it is because it, you're probably a douchebag if you walk around saying, yeah, dude, I freestyle. Like, that's not something that you brag about doing. Like, I'm not saying I'm, like, fucking Eminem or something. I'm just saying, like, most people that brag about being able to rap probably can't rap. Uh-huh. And I feel like if I say that, then people are like, yeah, you're one of those dude. You I mean, You're are really like, good. You're Slim Shady. And I'm like, nah. Uh, but I, I have wanted to put out at some point in my life um, a few different musical albums. One of them would be country covers of pop songs. We've talked about that at least. Uh -huh. um, the other one would be a like satire rap album where it's the production quality is good and, and everything's good about it, but it's like complete bullshit. Uh -huh. I think that would be like really weird out type thing. Um, maybe, but not like it would be more, it would be like weird out. I feel like music is not actually that good. It would be like actually actual good music, okay. but it would just be, I don't know, about a, a trash can or something. 
If you guys haven't heard of Reggie Watts, you should look him up. I think he's actually he does, who's he's uh he's the music person on some show now. Like we'll Google that later. I don't know what he is now, but he's a comedian that does music stuff. He's awesome. Give it a Google. It's worth a Google. All right, I'm going to ask you, but I have to look that up now because I can't believe I can't remember that. Oh, he leads the house band for the Late Late Show with James Corden. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay, so the zombie apocalypse is coming, right? It's impending. There are zombies coming. You need to survive. You get to pick three people from history, anybody, to help you survive. Who are you picking? So you got to draft three people. And if you want, we could actually draft back and forth. George Washington, Mr. T, and I don't know who the third one's going to be. Totally drawing a blank here. It could be anybody, though. It doesn't matter. You're saying that basically you just need fucking just you and those two. You don't need the third. Could be, yeah, the carbon copy of Kyle number two. Oh, okay, I see. So two of yourself got it. Um, so why George Washington? Obviously, Mr. T. No, I think it's, he's at the forefront of my mind because I just watched uh, Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> so maybe he's not the most badass zombie killer, but y'all can no, work it out. He's got some things going on. He, he, uh, he could chomp him with his wooden teeth. He led the revolution and uh, all those, those types of things. But and then Mr. T, just because he's got a big-ass chain, you know, he like takes that thing off, starts swinging it around, no telling what's going to happen. That's true. That's respectable. I can respect that. There we go. So that's my answer. Stick it to it. Oh, uh, so we got one more. All right. Um, did you actually, did you play any sports in high school? Uh, yes, very briefly. But then multiple things happened that caused me to not play them as much as I would have wanted. But then you, you, but you actually, you had a lot of friends that went on to or not a lot but like some friends that went on to to play in college like baseball and yeah so um i played basketball in school um for multiple reasons i stopped playing eventually one of those i had a ton of ankle problems which led me to have surgery and a lot of other bad stuff but uh also i never played baseball really but a ton of my all of my best friends growing up played baseball um and they were really good but you were around the team Oh, yeah. So uh, eventually, once I quit playing basketball, I was actually the statistician for our baseball team for some period of time. Um, And also in the summers, it was like my summer job. So I would go around with all my best friends and we would just stay in hotel rooms and do whatever. That was a fun experience. Um, Yeah. uh, Shout out Mitchell and Storm, uh, my best friends. Storm, by the way, what a fucking cool ass name. Can we just agree on that? Yeah, he's a cool dude. He, he's exactly how he sounds. So he played baseball at NC State, and uh, Mitchell played at North Carolina Central, both, both near us here. But, yeah. All right. I think that may bring us to the end of episode number two of Ripstop on the Record. So we thank you for listening and bearing with us through our, some of our technical difficulties that we've been improving upon. Our next podcast will be out in about two weeks, and we'll be talking all about Dyneema. So send us any questions or comments and we will be sure to read and answer them in future episodes since we didn't get to you know, every single question in, in this episode. We'll try to sprinkle some in as we move along. For sure. Also, just a quick shout out to Avery, our social media manager. She's the greatest ever and with, without her, this 
this podcast wouldn't exist or something would probably be on fire or I would have muted something that I wasn't supposed to. Um, but yeah, she's the best. So thank you, Avery. Thanks, Avery. Um, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. Let us know what you think or what you want to hear in the future. After all, we're making this podcast for you. That wasn't scripted at all. Until next time, guys. Peace, love. Whip stop.